Welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm Ryan Rhodes. And if you're hearing this message, it's because you've selected one of our episodes from season one of the Fire Podcast. My wife and I, we used to live in Columbus, Ohio before we did. Uh, this podcast was launched and it was run by Jeffrey Hawthorne and Nick Hawthorne. They did a wonderful job. Uh, really thankful for those guys. And since then, we have moved out to Seattle, Washington. We uh, now feel like it's time to relaunch this podcast. And so if you want to hear the newest content, you'll want to jump to the relaunch, which is episode 14. Uh, if not, definitely stay, listen to this content. It's full of great speakers and rich content. You'll probably laugh uh, a few times along the way. Those guys are hilarious, and I uh, hope it blesses you. Also, if fire has impacted you in any way and you, you love what we do, uh, please consider supporting us either one time or monthly. Uh, you can go over to firemovement.com slash support uh, to to give there, um, and we appreciate any any kind of support. We're really thankful for you guys. Also, please share. Um, share these episodes with your friends. Share with us what God's doing through this, how these are speaking to you. I'd love to connect with you and hear a little bit more of your story. Uh, and so send us an email, send us a message, connect with us through social media, however you'd like, but I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Fire Podcast, the most fire podcast you will ever hear. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hawthorne, and on this episode, we have a very special guest to get to, Joaquin Evans from Bethel Church in Austin, Texas. He's just planting a church called Bethel Austin, and he's also the one who founded and established the healing rooms in Bethel Church in Redding, California, where he was at for several years. And he's just seen crazy miracles and has amazing testimonies and stories of the goodness of God and the presence of God and just the power of the Lord just moving the lives of people. And there's just so many things that he's at a conference at our church this past weekend, and he just brought so much of the, the presence of the Lord, the hunger for the Lord, and the gratitude of the Lord. And just there's so many things that, that we can get into, but we only have a, a short amount of time. But we're just so thankful for the opportunity to sit down with him and have a couple minutes of his time. So I want to jump right into the, the interview and the conversation and hope it blesses you guys. All right, here we go. We're going live with Joaquin Evans, our guest today. I'm Jeffrey Hawthorne. This is Ryan Rhodes. Joaquin, how are you doing? Really good. Having a great time. Good. Let's jump right in. I have a serious question right off the bat. What's your favorite flavor of cereal? <laughs> if they're called, is it called flavors? Type? Type, Type brand? Yeah. Brand? I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I eat Honey Nut Cheerios okay. uh, the most because that's what my kids eat, and I like it, but... Uh, I don't know. I like Frosted Flakes. Okay. Like, I can't eat too much of it. That's a lot of sugar. It is. <laughs> it tastes really good. My favorite is uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ooh. The bottom of it. When you finish your cereal, you have horchata at the end. Horchata? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Point. That's pretty <laughs> but good. But it's also good. really unhealthy, so I... Yeah. That balance. What about favorite uh, scented candle? Favorite, favorite <laughs> scent? None. Because <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> I know, I just wanted to see if there was a funny reaction there. <laughs> to be fair, mine would have been the same. <laughs> no, I really, I, I mean, 
I don't super mind them, but I'm kind of indifferent. I'm kind of sensitive to scented candles, like strongly scented. Really, I don't know. They kind of, mm -hmm. Yeah. What about Sliesha? You said you've been six different continents, twenty some different nations. Where's your favorite city to eat at? Ooh, this is one burning them. in me. All of them. <laughs> I love food. Um, favorite city to eat at? The first one that popped into my mind was uh, was Israel. Really, Jerusalem. Yeah, shawarma, falafel. Middle Eastern food specifically is kind of a. I, I just love food, so that's the first one that popped into my mind. So, um, and there's oh, everywhere has got great food. Mm -hmm. uh, Switzerland, just mm. she like cheese and uh, and crackers and bread. Uh, oh, the bread in Europe's amazing. You could get. How long do we have? Because I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love food. Yeah, I can feel the Lord right now. This <laughs> is powerful. This is the Lord is at lunchtime. Desserts, pastries in Paris. Whew. Come on. Shut up, Abakuna. Not everywhere is good, though. We just we got back, my wife and I, from uh, Mexico in the mountains. We went with David uh -huh. Hogan. And <laughs> it's bad. Some of the food. Some of the food they serve you, and you have to eat it. Right, right. It's cultural. You have to. Eat. Uh, but street tacos. Yeah, that's different. In the main cities in Mexico, that's up there on the favorites. Actually, yeah, regular Mexican pastries food. in Paris <laughs> and street tacos in Man. Mexico. Let's just do a food tour. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Maybe we should bring this back to the serious part. <laughs> I thought that was the serious part. That's true. I was thinking about planning missions based around food. <laughs> oh. Let's see what cities hit our hearts oh, in terms Lord. of food. <laughs> wow. So just like throughout your life and throughout your journey with Jesus, how has just like hosting the presence and just like following his presence transformed like the way that you walk and also just where you walk? It's it's transformed everything. Yeah. And I don't I don't just mean that, you know, as a as a routine answer. I, I mean I literally mean that. Like it yeah. changed everything. It, I came into the ca uh, kingdom through an encounter. So that's just everybody's got their own story and and there's gold in everybody's story. But I mean I didn't I didn't grow up, you know, doing the church thing. And but I had an encounter with the Lord in my early twenties. So. I encounter, encounter with the presence, and it literally changed me so deep. I was in university at the time, and I and I came home, back to my flat apartment in San Francisco, and after the weekend where I had this encounter, I walked in my apartment, and my roommate looked at me when I walked in the door and said, "Who are you, and what did you do with Joaquin?" <laughs> so when I say it changed everything, yeah. I mean it's noticeable. Changed everything. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so how have you uh over the years have you found the to be the best way to actually like steward that to steward the encounters after they happen so it's yeah. not just a one-off mm -hmm. you know or something that wears out over time mm -hmm. how do you actually steward that in your heart i think um i shared on it actually last night but our ability to appreciate the small things and the ability to to remember with thanksgiving and to renew thanksgiving in our heart like you can whatever experience or encounter you have in the kingdom it's meant to be an invitation to come back 
Like it's actually oh. like God transfers a key to you and you can have, you're meant to be able to have that encounter over and over again. You can just, if you have the ability to, to draw up thanksgiving in your heart for an encounter you had two years ago, mm. you can just take quiet time and just start thinking about that encounter from two years ago and just like you were in it right now and you'll actually notice that it starts to come back. Yeah. You start to actually revisit that place, that encounter. So I think, I think um, Thanksgiving is is huge. I mean, Thanksgiving really is the seedbed for increase in the kingdom. But another one is childlikeness. Yeah. Like we just take ourselves way too serious, <laughs> like way too serious. Which which the the result of that, the side effect of that, is that we lose the Thanksgiving. And so, you know, we're not, we're not excited about that encounter we had two years ago because we let all the concerns and all the cares and all the worries pile up, false responsibility pile up, to where we're, we're not thinking. We're not thinking and being thankful for what God did yesterday. We're worried about what he's not doing today. So the enemy loves to get us off focus, you know? Yeah. The goal is to like the goal is to focus on what you do have, not what you don't have. That's so good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so what what would you say to um, to younger like the, the millennial age range and stuff, the those that are hungry and they're looking for that encounter, they're really wanting to go after that, what would be your advice to them? To know, to know, number one, that God is good. Like, God is, He is good. Don't believe anything that tells you otherwise. If, you know, you've been, you've seen something different modeled in church, life, religion, just run from that, you know, ignore that. God is good. Mm. Just that fact opens up the realm for encounter. If you think that you have to appease him, if you think that you have to work for approval, now all of a sudden you just have laid out a complicated map maze in front of you that really doesn't have any end or exit. Like, but that's what religion tries to do. It tries to puts this big maze in front of you, and the maze just gets bigger and bigger and pushes the sense that God's attainable further and further away. It's just not true. Like God. God was madly in love with the world before he sent Jesus. Yeah. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God was so loved the world, meaning he was madly in love with the world before he sent Jesus. From the beginning. So it's not about like, did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? It's about recognizing that, oh, Jesus already is madly in love with me. He's leaning into me. He's pursuing me. Essentially, all I have to do is open my arms, my heart, and mm. say, here I am. Jesus, hug me. And then the other, on a more practical level, I would say, glean, glean from what you want to see manifest in your own life. So don't, don't feed yourself on what you don't want to see grow. So, like, if you want the presence, if you want to know his goodness, if you want to have encounters, then feed yourself from that place, you know. Yeah, find so cool. people that are doing that. Find churches that are walking in that. 
And if you, there's not a church near you, that's fine. Get on, you know, get get on YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. find videos, get books, get CDs, like download podcasts from people who do and feed yourself. And if you don't, if you don't like what's, what's being fed, then find something else. Find pe- people that are pouring out just the goodness. And when you feed yourself, you'll find yourself living in that place, walking to that manifestation. Yeah, it's so good. I think you just explained hunger really well right there. <laughs> basically what I got from it. Like, oh, man. Do you just want to talk about um, just the importance of, like, taking risks with our lives, whether it be in evangelism or just following Jesus just throughout yeah. our lives? Yeah. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And the kingdom works best when we're serving, yeah. when we're giving away. And yeah, you could take an entire podcast and talk about God will and wants to show up just for you, but at the same time, you could you could take you know another podcast and talk about how that God will show up on you because He wants to move through you. Mm-hmm. And the the kingdom works best when we are partnering with God's heart for the world. Like if it's just that selfish, like me, 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 me. Right. That's not where God shows up. God shows up because we want to partner with his heart for his creation, for his children, his people. So taking risk is, it's one about the people who have the opportunity to encounter God through that risk. I was sharing, I was just sharing the other day, the wrong, the wrong question is God, have I been, have I been good enough this week for you to show up, have you know, do you love me enough? Have I earned it? Have I done everything right? The, a better question is, God, do you love the person that I'm about to run into at the coffee shop? Do you love them enough to put your glory on me that they have an encounter with you? Wow. And, and so, you know, this taking risk is one. That's how people encounter the love of the Father is by those who know the love of the Father taking risk and giving it away. And God's always going to back that up. His word never returns void. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. He's going to come back that up. But number two is that risk is as much for the risk taker as it is for the receiver. Right. Like something happens in us when we take risk. The whole kingdom is all about trust. The more we trust Him, the more we encounter Him, the more of His love we experience, the more faith we have, the more He shows up, the more our life explodes with His goodness and His glory. Well, we learn about trust in taking risk. Like, oh, everybody's nervous. Like, everybody's like, oh, I don't know. We all, in the place, it, the question is, am I going to trust Him enough just to step past that line of insecurity? Be like, oh, no, I'm going to see what happens. You know, <clears throat> The Bible says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. But the reality is the greatest expression of faith isn't when somebody gets healed or when you, you step out and you you know and witness and somebody gets saved. The greatest expression of faith is when you actually believe what God said and you simply step past that line where you're nervous, you're late. You're busy, whatever it is, but you choose to step past that line and go, excuse me. That's the moment that God's heart's exploding. <laughs> it says you can't please God apart from faith, but it doesn't say faith 
has to look like. It doesn't say faith is an external. Faith is an internal. So we think when somebody gets healed, God's going to be pleased. Hmm. It's not what it says. When we actually step out and take that risk, and you go, I'm not sure, but I'm going to try. <laughs> and you go, excuse me, I've never seen anybody healed before, but I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going right. to try. And you go, excuse me, I noticed you were limping. God's heart is exploding. Yeah. He's like, whoa, look at that. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. So they actually believe what I said. And it doesn't actually matter if the person gets healed or not. God's heart's already exploding with joy. You're already stepping in victory because you're learning to trust. You're learning to step past the chicken line, and you're and you're and you're partnering with bringing pleasure to the Father. That all happened whether the person got healed or not. So actually, the breakthrough happening, the miracle happening, the salvation happening—that's all just overflow. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But every time you step over the that line of risk, mm-hmm. you win. Is there a, because you mentioned a lot of times those those moments when God shows up, they actually transform us. Um, is there a certain miracle or, or moment that w- most impacted you out of all the ones you can remember, certain healing or yeah. something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen, <clears throat> just to set the stage, we've seen just about, you know, all the miracles you can think of happen right here in the States, you know, blind eyes open, people get out of wheelchairs, um, you know, seeing a hospital cleared out here in the States. So it's not like big things only happen in other countries, but this particular one happened in, um, in uh, Africa, in South Africa. We were there doing doing a missions trip and we were out in the bush and, had an amazing time. God did crazy miracles. I think we saw like 12 blind eyes open on that trip. <clears throat> now, about that many deaf ears and not more. Amazing stuff. And it's actually the trip is over. We've come out of the bush, back to Johannesburg. We're staying one night in the hotel to catch our flight early in the morning. And we just unload our bags in the hotel and we're walking like two blocks from the hotel to the restaurant to have dinner and we're going to go back to the hotel and fly out in the morning so the trip is over essentially and we're walking that two blocks and we look over and there's a guy getting pushed in a wheelchair down the street we go over i just start talking to him and uh turns out he's a quadriplegic he's got no feeling from um, his neck down can't move his arms his legs you could stick a a knife in him it's like he'd never even know it so I said hey you know I tell him some testimonies of the trip I said do you mind if we pray for you he says ah but I'm a Christian he was a white white Afrikaans downtown Johannesburg and he's like oh I'm a Christian people pray for me all the time and nothing ever happens mm-hmm. so my simple response to that was well what if something does happen <laughs> so he like he like, I can't say he exploded with faith. It's more like he relented. He's like, <laughs> all right, fine, if you want to pray for me, you know? <laughs> so we start praying and just start releasing the presence of God over his body. And first, no- nothing happens. And then we're like, we're like, um, where are you going anyway? He's getting pushed in a wheelchair. And he's like, oh, I got to go miles downtown. And he said, because um, two days ago, I had, a, I had an electric wheelchair, he said, but two days ago, 
these guys mugged me and stole my electric wheelchair and they wow. and they left me in a field behind an abandoned warehouse like essentially he's quadriplegic right. essentially to die and uh, and uh, <clears throat> fortunately somebody found him God actually spoke to him in the field and said don't give up mm-hmm. um, wow. and then somebody found him uh, so he now got back to his caretaker and his caretaker was pushing him miles down to, to downtown where he could apply for a new wheelchair we're like oh man we want to at least get you a cab so my friend went into a store to to get some cash to get him a cab and i'm like well you're still sitting here we're still standing here might as well keep praying so we just start praying and just releasing the presence no like seriously no complicated prayer no we're just like mm-hmm. holy spirit come presence of god come all of a sudden his legs start trembling mm-hmm. he looks up at us with these big like round eyes and we're like is that normal does that normally happen and he shakes and they're like oh no that's not normal <laughs> And so we just keep praying, and the trembling would stop for about 30 seconds, and then would start again for 30 seconds. Then it would stop, and then it would start. And then all of a sudden, about a minute of that, tears start rolling down his face, and he goes, I can feel my legs. I can feel my legs. I can feel my legs. Now faith is exploding. Right. Like, oh my goodness, more, God, more. <laughs> more presents, more. And then next thing you know, he starts raising his knees up. The next thing you know, he starts straightening his legs out. And then we like we put our hand out in front of his leg, and he could kick our hand like wow. wherever we put it. Wow. He'd been a quadriplegic for eleven years, fallen off wow. a, a, a roof painting, and broke his neck and his mm. back in three places. And uh, <clears throat> and then as we continue to pray, his arms were atrophied and like curled up and knotted. You know, his hands and arms mm. were were curled up. And as we pray, it takes about eight minutes, but we watch his arms unfold in front of us and stretch out and straighten. And he gets total use of his arms back, his total use of his body. He gets he gets up out of his wheelchair and walks, walks laps with us in this parking lot. Right. An entire (laughs) crowd of people gather around (laughs) because they're seeing this happen. The guy, he's um, he lives right there like. And uh, he's like the local guy in the wheelchair. Everybody knows him. So it's like in this shopping center that we were cutting through when this happened. And so all these people know that this crowd gathers around. His caretaker's weeping, right? He's weeping. Half of our team is weeping. This lady who works in a shop right there, she sees this. She brings him out a glass of water and a bunch of tissues because he's just weeping. And... This this is stuck in my my memory. I'll, I will never forget this. He just said over and over and over and over again. He just said, "I can wipe my own nose. I can wow. wipe my own nose. I can wipe my own nose." Wow. It's just like just so wrecked. But it gets it gets crazier because this crowd, huge crowd, has gathered around. That now it's actually blocking the uh, the the driveway come in and this car comes up and starts honking at the people like get out of the way get out of the way and I go over to the car just to like tell them hey calm down like something happened I look in the car and it's the five most gangster looking thug like scary dudes you ever seen like five guys in this car one guy in the backseat is holding a tire iron like, I don't know, just in case, just ready. right? They literally have, like, a bottle of rum or something they're passing, you know, like, oh and I'm like, oh, my goodness. They don't speak English, so I'm trying to tell them, like, hey, like, 
they don't know what I'm saying, but they're not happy with me, right? Mm-hmm. And they start to get out of the car, and I'm like, oh, these guys are gonna like, I'm like, Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Like, <laughs> like receive my spirit. I'm coming home. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, like it was, it was not gonna be good. And the same lady who brought the water and the tissues sees these guys get out of the car. She's in her shop, right? She had gone back to her shop. She comes running out of the shop because she knows what's about to happen. And in their language, she's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is what's happening. Look over the crowd. And the guys look over the crowd and they see Peter, that was his name, up out of the wheelchair, standing up, and they freak out. (laughs) Like, one guy... I mean, these were these were black Africans. One guy turns white like a sheet and takes off running, sprinting for his life, like he saw a ghost. It was the guy who had robbed him two days ago, wow. stole his wheelchair. The other four guys all know right. about Peter and that their friend stole his wheelchair. Wow. They all start repenting of stuff right there. They have witchcraft amulets and stuff mm-hmm. on. They break them off on the ground. God heals their bodies. I start getting words of knowledge. They start getting healed. They give their, all four of them give their life to Jesus right there in the parking lot. Then we turn to the crowd and, and we're like, this is Jesus. We start giving words of knowledge. People start getting healed. And, and about 25 or 30 people in the crowd get born again right there. It was the most insane thing I'll ever see. You guys were just walking to dinner, right? We were just walking. The trip was over. <laughs> we are like, thank you, Jesus, for the ministry. Thank you for right. all the stuff you did. Like, that was awesome. You know, we're already doing the high fives and the, like, emails home. Have a great trip. You know, like, we're just going to catch, have dinner and catch our flight. Like, so good. And this happens. But the best part, I know I'm going long, but the best part is, is that, so we're in this, we're in this, Parking lot for two hours, like just have, we have revival. It's a whole meeting, out. Yeah. Like I mean, people are getting healed. More people are coming. Oh, wow. They get boarding in. Like we're just in this parking lot for two hours. People are we're just having revival in this parking lot. Finally, after two hours, things kind of wrap up, and we we actually make it the other block to the restaurant. You know, <laughs> and we're so we're sitting at this table in this restaurant. Like there's probably eight of us on the team. Like stone quiet. Like we're just in. All, like shock, all like, can you believe that just happened? Nobody in our team is saying a single word. We're just staring at the table at each other, like, I can't believe that just happened. Wow. And as we're in this moment of just like shock and awe, this mom and a twelve-year-old girl come walking by the table, and the girl's on crutches and she has an air cast on her ankle. And me and my friend, who were each sitting on the end. We're like, look at each other, we're like, let's go get her, right? <laughs> so we follow him to the table and we tell the mom, we're like all super excited, like, oh my God, we just saw the Bible, this church believes you got in a wheelchair and miracles, mom, can we pray for your daughter? And she's like, obviously wasn't in the parking lot, like has no idea. She's just like, what are you talking about? You're crazy, but whatever, you can pray for my daughter if you want to. And we're like, yes, like, and here's the thing, like, what we just experienced, like literally moments before, like our faith couldn't have been any higher. Right. And so we're like, yeah, we pray. So she says, okay, you can pray if you want. And they're like, they're like a, kind of a rough family, smoking cigarettes at the table, cuss words flying. We're like, oh, okay, whatever. So we pray for her ankle. We're like, yeah, be healed in Jesus' name. Like, how does that feel? And she's like, it still hurts. 
And we're like, oh, okay, just one more minute. We pray again. So we pray. We pray for her ankle like three different times, you know, like more aggressively each time. Jesus, get her. We're like, how does your ankle feel? She's like, it still hurts. Hmm. We're like, uh, okay. Like literally, we're like, how does this compute? Like mm-hmm. we just saw a quadriplegic get up out of a wheelchair. Like our faith, like belief that God's going to heal this sprained ankle. Like, come on, no brainer, right? But it doesn't happen. And we're like, okay. We're like, well, you know, something good happens. Let us know. We're sitting over there. And like, so we go over there and we're eating. And a little while later, the mom comes over and she goes, this is what she says to us. She goes, I've never seen faith like that before in my life. And I'm like, nothing happened. I'm like, you should have been in the parking lot, you know, half an hour ago. She's like, I've never seen faith like that before in my life. And then she says, my mom is partially paralyzed. Would you come? Would you come to my mom's house and pray for my mom? Wow. And I'm like, where's your mom live? She's like 45 minutes away from here. And this is the result of her daughter's ankle not getting healed. But that's what we're talking about. Faith isn't an external, it's an internal. And the ankle didn't get healed, but she actually saw people who, in a lighthearted, a love of God way, actually believed that something was going to happen. She could see it. People could see faith in your eyes. Hmm. And so I'm like, well, actually, we, we like are flying out in the morning. Like, I don't know that we physically do it. This is what she says. She says, I don't care what time I have to pick you up. If you'll come, I will come and pick you up. <laughs> like, how do you say no to right. that? So we're tired. We've been on this three-week mission trip. But I'm like, okay. So she comes and picks us up at like 4.30 in the morning. Wow. Because the flight is early flight. She comes and picks us up at 4.30 in the morning, me and the, my friend, and drives us 45 minutes out to her mom's house. Her mom is paralyzed, left side of her body. Long story short, a whole bunch of family members heard that she was doing this, so they all come, but they're not all come like carrying faith. They're like, who are these weirdos that you're like bringing to like pray for mom? So there's all these people gathered around who are like not agreeing in the spirit, you know? I'm like, this feels really weird. So I did like, I did like Jesus or Peter, I kicked them all out of the room. I'm like, yeah. you guys gotta go in the living room like the daughter who brought us and her husband they stayed we prayed for the mom the mom we prayed about 10 minutes and all of a sudden the mom's paralyzed arm left left side or completely paralyzed all of a sudden it shoots up above her head and then it scared her so bad like these people (laughs) had no grid for the miraculous they were they were the at least the mom was christian they went to you know a nominal church fed with religion Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. instead of being in awe of the miracle it actually scared her and it scared her and she withdrew her arm back and actually like withdrew in herself and like fear locked her up and no more breakthrough came it actually went back to being paralyzed so we prayed like 10 more minutes but you could feel it's just a shell it scared her we're like wow that's crazy but we went out in the living room and all these like all her unbelieving family members are still like scaring at us. I'm like, well, I'm here. You're here. Might as well preach the gospel. So I tell them all about Jesus and the entire family gets born again. Wow. Or gives her heart to Jesus. And the mom is not healed in the living room. And the daughter is still there with the air cast on her ankle. 
but the entire family is now born again. <laughs> and uh, the best part is we go to get back in the car to leave. I'm about to close the door, and the 12-year-old girl comes right still with her outcast or crutches. She comes hobbling out of the car. Wait, wait, wait. Don't leave without giving me a hug. Oh, like, wow. Love of God. So here's the whole point of all that. You're like, what miracle changed you the most? So now we rush back to the airport, meet the team, get on the plane, fly, take off. It's finally quiet, you know, in the air. And I'm actually now have time to process, which has mm. happened over right. the last, you know, less than 12 hours or whatever it was. And this realization came over me that, like, we just saw somebody get out of a wheelchair. And the next moment we prayed for this 12-year-old girl with an air cast who still, whose ankle still didn't heal, right? Mm. But her whole family is now born again. And, and that this realization came over me like, it's really not as much about as us as we think it is. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. God's good. He's in charge. Yeah. It's our job just to step out, take risks, to be a conduit for his goodness and celebrate what he does. Like, the religion loves to try and blame. Like, well, if you had more faith, right. look... We just saw a quadriplegic get out of a wheelchair and two hours of revival in the parking lot. We had plenty of faith for a sprained ankle, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That wasn't the problem. God was doing something else. Mm -hmm. God's good. He's big. And he's in charge. And he used that whole scenario. He even used the scenario of her ankle not getting healed right. to get us to the family. And the whole family is now born again, which is the greatest miracle. That changed me forever. That's so good. <laughs> that whole story. <laughs> I hope it's okay. You just took the whole time. <laughs> that, was, that was an amazing story. No. <laughs> I've heard some of your stories. I've never heard that one. Yeah. That's so good. Wow. Well, we'll let you go. Will you, uh, will you pray us out? Pray for our listeners? Absolutely. Whatever you feel or just encounters, yeah. whatever. Just <laughs> <laughs> whack them all. Yeah, whack them all. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Wow. Yeah. I'll pray. Father, I thank you that hunger never goes unnoticed in the kingdom. Mm. So, God, I don't know who I'm praying for right now, but you do. And everybody who's hungry is qualified to receive an, in, an impartation and an increase in Jesus' name. So, Holy Spirit, we say come. Jesus, we thank you for the easy button. Father, I thank you for the revelation that came upon me. In that airplane, that is really not as much about us as we think. Father, it's just our job to be a conduit for your goodness. Father, let that revelation come upon every listener right now. Father, and, let, and with it, let an impartation, Father, for your miraculous, for the displays of your goodness, Father, coming upon us right now. Father, not so that we can get the attention, but so that you get the glory. Thank you, Father. Well. I just want to pause to say this. The world is smarter than we give them credit for. When you step out and a miracle happens, they don't actually think it's you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they realize that when something supernatural happens, there's somebody greater involved in the equation. Wow. So, wow. God, we pray that you get all the glory and, wow, and your goodness, Father, would cover the whole earth, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Joaquin Evans, thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thanks for having me. Super fun. Incredible. We're going to go listen to this later and just cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, be blessed, everyone. Yeah.